friendly neighborhood podcast about living in Iraq. Where we both lived for combined 11 years. That's right. So we know all the things. Except for the things we bring in the guests for. So this week, our topic is clothing. Yeah, um, I feel like that's one of the things we get asked about the most when we initially like start going is, uh, what do you wear and usually people either asked, do you have to wear a burqa or do you have to cover your hair? Yeah, um, or cover your head. And, I mean, it's, I guess it's a reasonable question. Um, most Americans kind of have this picture in their mind that everyone in, every woman in the Middle East wears a burqa. Um, it's just kind of, yeah, this homogenous looking, like, mm-hmm. completely covered group of people. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's only true in Taliban-run Afghanistan, which is not near Iraq. There's a whole country between Iraq and Afghanistan. (laughs) Yeah. In case you're not up on your Middle Eastern geography, they're not close to each other. But yeah, so we thought we'd talk about the kind of different head coverings that women wear and then what we we wear and then kind of what men wear, I guess. Yeah. Which we know the least about. Aside from observation. Observation. So probably the most conservative clothing really is the burqa that you are familiar with, maybe from Taliban-run areas of Afghanistan or even some places, I think, in Saudi Arabia, where they're completely covered from head to foot and there's like a mesh screen over their eyes. Yeah, and they just kind of look like a walking bedsheet. Yeah. Blue, usually. I never saw anyone dressed like that in northern Iraq. Yeah, me neither. And even in some of the reading that I've done since then, it was really kind of a Taliban-specific thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, most of the rest of the Muslim world is like, no, we don't. That's crazy. That's too far. That's too far. (laughs) So I think the next most conservative would be the niqab, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of the classic Middle Eastern women, like face veil thing where like their head and their hair is all covered and all you can see is their eyes yeah and it's usually all black or some Mm -hmm. other dark color and i did see someone dressed like that in iraq really Um, yeah i never did in a shopping mall and i was with some of my students and they were like oh look at them they're from saudi arabia only the saudis dress their women like that And it was very, very disdainful, like, her poor repressed life, having to live behind this, like, curtain over her face. I mean, that's the same way a lot of Americans talk about all Middle Eastern women being covered. That same sort of disdain and oppression. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess maybe there are just levels. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, so those are probably the two most, and never saw a Kurd wearing anything like that. No. No, the more conservative Kurds would wear the abaya with kind of the hijab underneath. Mm-hmm. So the they'd have their whole head like and neck covered and then have a black kind of cape, long flowing thing. Just like one long piece of black fabric. Yeah. And Yeah, and that's the abaya. That's the abaya. And I really only saw that on older women, Mm -hmm. like, walking around in the neighborhood. And every now and then, like, sometimes they wouldn't even have the full head covering on underneath it. They would just walk around with the black 
abaya piece like over their their head and like it kind of flows out behind them like a cape when they walk it always reminded me of the old style um catholic nun habit yeah (laughs) and so like in my mind it was just like oh yeah nuns gotcha and most women who wore any of those styles of covering usually also wear gloves to cover their hands and um closed-toed shoes or sandals with black stockings the only skin that you see is their face and yeah that was pretty common again usually with older women i didn't see very many younger my age or younger wearing it and i mean even then it still wasn't super common yeah i i think i saw it more into hook um they're a little bit more traditional Mm -hmm. and conservative into hook um so i saw it a lot more but yeah usually on older grandmothery types yeah probably the most conservative thing that younger women would wear is the hijab which is the covering that covers the basically from your neck up leaving only your face so none of your hair is showing at all and it always looked really tight to me yeah it's it's usually pretty tight but most of fabric is stretchy yeah so it's like a stretchy piece that goes over your your head and your neck Mm -hmm. and then usually another kind Kinda of like decorative a scuba scarf cap. yeah a scuba cap but like then a scarf is put over the top of that mm-hmm. and pinned on and wrapped you know that's beautifully pretty and matches mm-hmm. their outfit and what the women wear with that can be either something more conservative that's like flowy and hides like, their shape hides their shape or I also met, especially, like, teenage girls mm-hmm. or younger women who would wear that and then have, like, absolutely skin-tight jeans and a long sleeve t-shirt, like, yeah. or something that was fancy, a blouse or something, and, like, have it just be really, really tight and form-fitting. So following the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. <laughs> right. As it were. All the skin was covered, mm-hmm. but not much was left to the imagination. Yeah. Which is why there was an abundance of scarves available to buy, I think. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of them will also layer and do two scarves and do, like, really cool foldy patterns or, like... Some of them are gorgeous. Yeah, some of them are really interesting. And just, like, their ability to combine color and be creative with it Mm -hmm. um, and kind of use it as self-expression was always really interesting to me. And I, I do also want to say that that style of head covering varies a little bit um, from culture to culture Mm -hmm. and we don't have time in this podcast to get into all the different styles of it because generally in Iraq it was just close to the head covering the neck but I know like other cultures do like turbans or they have it's a little bit looser still covering all the hair and the face and everything but it's more like a hood that they wear and then I would say there's one also more that I saw in Iraq that was a little bit less common, more common during like the month of Ramadan where someone who didn't normally cover their head would just kind of drape a scarf over the top mm-hmm. of their hair, like loosely, not even pinned on, like you could still see some of the front of their hair. And that that was also something that some of the women I knew wore. And they would even, you know, pull it off or, you know, adjust it and mess with it and put it back on. Mm-hmm. It makes come right. yeah in public. Yeah. I feel like that one was the most common that I mm-hmm. ran into, especially among Kurds is and the younger women. I guess is just yeah a pretty scarf that they put over their hair, 
And their hair is usually up. It's not out and tumbly under the scarf because that would be hot. But yeah, I feel like that was the most common one. They're dressed like if they're just scarved, it was kind of all over the place. Still conservative by U.S. standards. Right. Um, I mean, you'd never probably see their knees or their elbows. Right. But they wear fancy shoes and bright colors and... But probably the majority of all, almost all of our students anyway, didn't cover. Right. And most of the teachers even at the school I was at in in Suli didn't Mm -hmm. cover either. I'd say that's probably true in Howler, less true in Dahook. Yeah. So even within the range of Kurdistan, there's a continuum of how conservative overall, Mm -hmm. you know, the people are and stuff. And so as a result... Neither of us ever, at least regularly, wore a headscarf. I I mean, I think I had one of my students teach me how to put one on once uh-huh. for fun, but we didn't wear them. In fact, one of our good friends uh, told us that if we did wear a headscarf there, people would mm-hmm. assume that we had converted, converted to Islam. To Islam yeah. Because for us to make that step like, must show some sort of religious devotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you talk to, like, if I talk to my Muslim students or Muslim friends about it, and, because when I first got there, I was kind of like, should I do this? And I asked one of, uh, one of the teachers, and she was like, no, why would you? You're a Christian. Christians don't cover their head. It's not a big deal. And I was like, okay. (laughs) She was like, I was like, even if I go into, like, conservative, like, more traditional areas, and she was like, no. Don't cover your head. It's like, <laughs> all right, I'll do what you say. Um, so I think the most conservative I ever got was I would put my hair in a ponytail or, like, braid it so that it was up and off my neck. But that was more for comfort as far as, like, it was hot. Yeah, and, I mean, so many of the women there have such long and gorgeous hair mm-hmm. that it, it is kind of seen that if it's down and loose and moving and flowing that it can be seen as seductive or... Flirtatious. Flirtatious, calling attention to yourself. And so mm-hmm. we generally, partly, again, for practicality's sake, right. and also partly out of, you know, a conservative well, appearance, we put it up. And I don't like to have my hair touched. And so if I went down with, if I went out with my hair down, some woman inevitably would touch my hair because yeah. it's blonde and it's soft and it's just They want to know what number. Right. What's your number? Yes. What yeah. number of dye do you use uh-huh. to color your hair this magnificent color? And you're like, um... It just is that way. God did this. I got, also got asked what shampoo I used because oh. I have such fine hair mm. that they were like, how did you get your hair so soft? And I was like, I just wash it. It grows <laughs> like, out of my head this way. It out this way. I will say, though, that to some extent, most general rules of dress get thrown out the window when there's a party. True. Especially a wedding, but I've seen it for other parties as well. Right, because you could wear Jilly Curdy to parties. Which we have talked about. If you haven't listened to the Now Rose episode, go back, find that, listen to it. You'll know what a Jilly Curdy is. But you can also wear what would often be seen as Western-style formal clothing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. complete with strapless dresses and sequins and even sometimes short things like yeah depending on the group you're with and the type of you know mm-hmm. there's all sorts of cultural rules that you don't know going in but 
Like, even the bride. I've known brides who wore a hijab normally Mm -hmm. and would never let, you know, anything above their wrists or ankles show, wear their hair down and loose and a strapless bridal gown, like... The bigger and poofier, the better. Exactly. To, like, at their wedding in public. And it's just like, I don't think I've ever seen your hair before. Mm -hmm. Look at that. And... Maybe most of it is not all their hair. That's true. This was one thing I had to get used to, is that there's a lot of uh, hair extensions <laughs> to make your hair long and full and beautiful. I've never put hair extensions in my hair ever, and so sometimes I was like, wow, you have so much hair I never knew! And they'd be like, yeah, it's not all my hair. I was like, okay. Oh. Would have never crossed my mind. But yeah, even the guests, I didn't see a lot of high slitted things Mm -mm. but yeah like knee length dresses were not uncommon tight dresses were not uncommon i also want to say too that there's a distinction between the christian the ethnically christian community and the muslim community right which can be confusing when you're first there because you don't have that automatic like i can look at you or hear your name and know like oh you must be christian and so that can be a little bit like wait a minute (laughs) Yeah. Why? Because the rules for Christians are far different than the rules for Muslims Mm -hmm. there. The identifying characteristic for Christians was like, oh, they can drink alcohol and wear short skirts. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, that's weird. And short skirts still means, like, knee length. Knee length, right. (laughs) It's not like people are running around in mini skirts and spaghetti straps. But they're showing off those calves. Yes. I had a, a younger student, she was probably in fourth grade, show up for a field trip in short overalls that were pretty short, but she had tights on underneath them. Yeah, So, like, she kind of got away with it, but still, all the teachers were like, uh, should we really let her, like, her parents let her come to school like this? (laughs) But, I mean, it was definitely very scandalous. Yeah. She was, like... 11 maybe but that's but still that's it's like that's right on the age of getting like, into that age of like oh this isn't allowed anymore i right. think nine nine is definitely yeah. where where it, culturally it seems to yeah. switch over and i think that depends family to family too because mm. i know families that would have their young daughter's scarf yeah yeah i had a um, second grader that mm-hmm. wore a headscarf to school yeah. for the most part though my students would only have their heads covered if they were fasting for ramadan mm-hmm. and that didn't always mean just during ramadan um again if you listen to our ramadan podcast you can make up days that you have missed for ramadan and so if they were fasting makeup days they would also have their heads covered right but we never did uh so now that we're you know into this we should talk about what we wear or wore (laughs) we tried to be on the more conservative side of things and not necessarily follow the same traditions and expectations associated with christians Mm -hmm. because especially as white women um or even any of our team members that were ethnically asian or african-american like we're all seen as more loose mm-hmm. um, and as, you know, potentially there as prostitutes, you know, so we wanted to really protect against that reputation and not invite that 
kind of attention. Yeah, so I usually wore, I mean, to school dress professionally, but even just going to the corner grocery store, I would still dress more nicely than I would if I was, you know, running to Kroger here in Nashville. But yeah, kind of nicer, nicer blouses or shirts that mm-hmm. were at least three-quarter sleeves. Yeah, three-quarter um, sleeves and pants or skirts that are at least, you know, mid-shin or longer. Yeah, I took, like, capris, I think, my first year, and I wore them a couple times, but then was kind of like, eh, no, I'm going to go back to just pants. Yeah. Also tended to wear looser shirts Mm -hmm. and longer shirts Mm -hmm. um things that even cover over your rear end and don't show off any sort of curves or definition yeah and i feel like i i went to a rock at just the right time in u.s fashion when tunics were becoming like cool yeah i was excited about that that was not the case when i first went (laughs) yeah but when you can get like a fun colorful flowery long sleeve long bodied shirt yeah those were the days those were good days but i also wore sandals Mm -hmm. i wore i mean little bits of jewelry but i mean that's kind of my style anyway i when i was in um howlaire i would wear shorter things like above my elbow because they are a little bit more westernized free less conservative but almost never into hook and if I wore, like, a maxi skirt, mm-hmm. I would usually wear tights underneath it, too. Just because getting in and out of a taxi in a skirt, you're, it, it's impossible to keep your ankles covered. Yeah. So if I wore leggings underneath it, it was usually good. I think that was an interesting difference with the Suli environment. Because there wasn't already an ethnic Christian community there, in some ways, they didn't have the same influence even as as Heller mm-hmm. and how yeah I generally kept a three-quarter length sleeves there I didn't mind my ankles too much definitely kept track of midriff you know if there was mm-hmm. any sort of shirt shortness or untucking that could happen right. we definitely didn't want that right. always wore undershirts tucked in and yep. the whole hallelujah test you know if you put your hands <laughs> up in your shirt if you can see skin your shirt's too short that's doubly true yeah um because you don't even want any of the skin in the middle of your body showing ever ever and I mean for some days I remember especially with the younger students or if I was helping out with the kindergarten or something you know I'm getting up and down off the ground and Mm -hmm. just had to be really careful about about you know things that I would do in in life that Mm -hmm. would maybe cause skin to show or shirts to gap or you know the bend over test to see if you know you can see straight down your shirt especially with the looser clothing sometimes that ends up being a problem Mm -hmm. and that also is complete no-no right which uh is where the scarf buying came in handy for me because in the winter especially I would just wear scarves around my neck (laughs) around my neck it covered everything um, I, d- I didn't have to think about it as much. Um, but even in the summer or in the late fall, I would get the lighter weight scarves uh-huh. and still wear those because it was just like, I can tolerate being hot, but I'm not going to remember to make sure to like, I, sometimes it can be tricky to find a shirt that is both long <laughs> in the bottom and high enough in the in the, the top. top part. Yeah. You can only put so much fabric in a shirt, Hannah. It's true. <laughs> If you make it longer, you got to cut it out at the top. It's true. 
I needed, what are those things called? The, like, fake shirt fronts oh, that yeah. people used to wear that yeah. are just, like, that just go, like, right below your pectorials at the most. <laughs> yeah, you could get one of those, like, um, belly shirts and wear that <laughs> underneath the shirt, maybe? No, that's a bad idea because you still got a lot of undershirts. Camisoles. Yeah, I bought, like, extra long tank tops yep. and would wear those because those will stay tucked in. Mm-hmm. Also, the joy of the, the layering fashion helped with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I learned a lot about layering, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, I also learned or started wearing a lot more jewelry because they do like their sparkly they jewelry. They do like their sparkly jewelry, and I got given enough of it, so mm-hmm. I did start wearing more of it, too, but... Or if I went to school and I didn't have earrings in, someone would comment, like, <laughs> oh, you're not wearing earrings today. Why? Just like, uh, because I forgot. Like, I don't always put in earrings. Yeah. Which makes me think of one of the other dress characteristics with women is makeup. Mm-hmm. And the same way, like, the less conservative you are, the more makeup you will wear from the... Or obviously, if your face is completely covered. I don't know. Maybe I, I think Afghan women still wear makeup for each other. I mean, probably. Underneath. But in the ladies I knew in Iraq, you know, the older women, you know, who are wearing the abayas, like, they don't normally wear a lot of makeup. But the younger you get, the less conservative you get. The more makeup, the darker, mm-hmm. the brighter. I felt like there was especially a lot of playing up of the eyes yes because it was like the one thing that they were allowed to be flirtatious with maybe i don't know to draw attention to that's not like scandalous i think you could still get a reputation for that yeah i guess so i remember before i lived in iraq i didn't wear much makeup Mm -hmm. most of the time and i continued that for quite a while and then like some days i just wouldn't wear makeup and the kids are like miss are you okay you look sick. And I'm like, well, guess maybe I should wear the makeup. <laughs> I never really got into it. <laughs> I, it, partly because it did. I did. It gets so hot and you just sweat it all off anyway. I will never do a makeup tutorial YouTube channel. Let me just, <laughs> let me just put it that out there. No, it's not gonna I happen. Think I will either. The only other thing I will say is that shoes became really important to me. Oh, yeah. Because the floors are all hard concrete and gotta have some comfy gotta shoes. have some comfy shoes and that includes house slippers yeah comfy rubber soled warm house slippers for the winter and good flip-flops for the rest of the year because otherwise out, your ankles and your knees and your hips all you. end up hurting i went out and bought the like nurses shoes like dance coats or whatever uh-huh those things it, it changed my life and made because you're also person. as a teacher walking and standing on the concrete all, all day long day yeah going up and down all those stairs and which is not the kind of shoes most of the women there wear that's true that was a definite for me a definite cultural divergence for me because they wear stiletto high heels and strappy shoes mm-hmm. and all the glitz and glam that they can possibly fit on their feet yep it goes there. Yeah. Like, even kindergarten teachers who, like you were saying, are yeah. up and down and in and out and running around, they can do more in high heels than I think I can do not in high heels. We eventually managed to convince the students not to wear high heels on the hiking trips. Yeah. I got made fun of for my Santa Claus shoes. <laughs> 
That's perfect. And got asked many times why I never wore heels. And I was just like, I'm not graceful enough. That's why. <laughs> yeah. I'll fall over and break my face. Shoes are a good place to start talking about what men wear. Because that's the biggest difference in men's clothing, I think. It's not... Uh, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are other differences. But the, yeah. the shoes that the men wear are shiny shiny and pointy yes like shiny and pointy and like have you ever seen i don't know it's the middle eastern like aladdin with the uh-huh. like the the tipped up shoes uh-huh. and the bell i know it's like part of the ottoman empire's yeah. you know royalty and stuff too i feel like it's all just related to that yeah it's a little less than that so it's slightly more practical but they're still like super pointy and long um, in the U.S., I only see women's shoes that are that pointy and long, like, yeah. to make their feet look longer, I guess. But, yeah, men's shoes. And even shoes that normally in the U.S. we would not make shiny, like the dress casual, like, suede-style shoes, mm-hmm. they would still make them shiny. They, every, all of them are shiny. Shiny was a big deal. Shiny is the most important thing for shoes. Yeah, because if your shoes aren't shiny, uh, you're less of a man. I don't know. I don't know. There was also a lot of skinny jean wearing or skinny pants. And kind of the shiny extended through the pants and to the shirt. And the hair. And the hair. Lots of shiny. So a lot of dress up, dressed up shirts, often with a shiny sheen to the fabric, Mm -hmm. really shiny buttons, really fitted. To the point of being like, dude, you should have bought just a size up yeah like you do fit in that shirt but mm, don't need too much somehow somehow like that slight pull on the buttons Mm -hmm. was considered attractive i think i don't know look at my manly chest hair um (laughs) yeah often a few buttons unbuttoned yes um maybe a gold chain christian guys always had a cross there you go um which is not to say that all the men dress like that all the time. Like, there definitely is a standard of, like, if you're working in a professional environment, you wear a suit. Yes. Um, I will say they were not all, like, the American standard of, like, navy blue or charcoal or black. Like, there were some brown suits in there and green. They got a little more creative with their colors. But, yeah, it's it was not uncommon to see... Men in suits and ties, especially in a professional environment. Right, yeah. But, you know, you're walking down the street going to the grocery store and there's some teenage punk in his pointy shoes and super tight jeans and shiny shirt and his hair all spiked straight up. Or, like, gelled in the swoopy thing. Yes. Like, all, like, it's all just solid gel. Mm -hmm. No matter what the style is. Solid gel. Yeah. That's why I think I was a little surprised to read that article about the gentleman, gentlemen's group who, like, are snappy dressers and have, like, hipster beards and hair and Mm -hmm. they don't like to be called hipsters. I was like, where were those guys? Like, I never saw anyone dressed (laughs) that way. There's a little bit of similarity, though, because just that extraordinary care for appearance is pretty universal among men there. That is true. Which I think in the U.S., it's considered often cool for men not to care about their appearance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That doesn't really happen there. I will say, I did notice that 
almost all the men I interacted with had very well-maintained hands. Hmm. Um, I think partly I noticed because I wasn't allowed to look in their face, (laughs) so I'd look at their hands. Also, just like, yeah, they take really good care of their the way that they present themselves, Mm -hmm. which is different and better in some ways, I think. I mean, I don't want the shiny shoes, shiny shirt thing to become a thing in the U.S., but (laughs) I feel like... like (laughs) We could all step up our game a little bit in how we present ourselves to the world. Yeah. But I will say, too, the older men generally didn't wear those kinds of clothes. They would wear suits in the professional environment, Mm -hmm. but um, older men around the homes would wear more traditional clothing and the Jilly Curdy pants. and, And because it's more subtle in its color scheme and, and mellow, I think it was a lot easier for them just to have that as their house clothing yeah yeah and they would wear it out too Mm -hmm. like a nicer version of that but yeah even the guys who are like house builders would be wearing jilly curdy but not like fancy jilly curdy just like traditional style pants and maybe a button-down white shirt or something right right Um, and they would also tend to wear the traditional kurdish shoe Oh, yeah. Which is woven. Yes. It almost looks like crocheted. Yeah. Almost. But they're white. Yeah. Well, at least new. Right. New, they are white. And, and you're supposed to buy them, like... Fairly thick sole. A thick sole. Like, they seem like really sturdy shoes. They're sturdy shoes. They last a long time. You're supposed to buy them, like, two sizes too small, and then, like, they stretch out with your feet in them i could never manage to convince myself to buy that tight of shoe and wear them to wear them long enough to, long stretch, enough them to stretch them out i mean that makes sense if they're woven they should stretch yeah um you can buy in the bazaar little tiny keychain versions of them that are you can either hang on your christmas tree or just keep on your just keep chain. on your keychain keep your keys and they would dress kids like that too mm-hmm. um yeah, kids for the most part were just miniature versions of the adults in their family. Yeah. Girls wore a lot of pink and frilly things uh, for events, but generally ran around in whatever they felt like. I feel like it wasn't until, yeah, probably nine or ten that parents start kind of caring a bit more about what their girls particularly wear. Boys, for the most part, run around in soccer jerseys and, you know... And pants. Jeans or sometimes... N- not usually shorts, but, like, no. athletic... Athletic pants. pants. Yeah. I mean, what women wear in the home is either the maxi dress, mm-hmm. or dishdasha, the house dishdasha. dress, or a velour tracksuit. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, they're really comfy and warm, so I can totally get that. In my house, I wore whatever I wanted to. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, this is America in here. In my house. Yoga pants, t-shirt. I mean, I brought, like, basketball shorts. Tracksuit. To hang around in. Make sure all my window curtains were closed, but, yeah, I would hang out in my shorts and tank top. There were enough people in and out of my house on a regular basis that I... There were some days we hung out in shorts in our house because it was just so hot. Mm-hmm. But those were invariably the days that, like, something would happen. But I'd often wear a tank top in the house with, like, a blouse, mm-hmm. like, near the door. Near the door. So yep. then I could put something on if yep. someone came to the door. Yep. I had <laughs> um, a maxi skirt that I would keep by the door. 
so that if someone came, I could just pull it on over my shorts <laughs> and be like, yes, I'm wearing a long skirt and a t-shirt. What's it to you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they probably didn't even notice. They probably didn't. Also, we almost forgot to talk about this, um, but you will get asked about your clothes, not your clothes. <laughs> In Iraq, yeah. So I was like, look, miss, look at my clothes. Aren't they nice clothes? And it's like, no, what? <laughs> your clo- clothes, clothes. It's really a hard blend to make clothes. It is. You're you're not wrong. But yes. But so now from here on out you have our permission to say clothes. Clothes. And we'll know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Servant Group International on Facebook or Instagram or on our website at servantgroup.org. Yeah, and if you have a question that we haven't answered yet, send us an email or Facebook message. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Um, probably a lot more nicely than I'm dressed right now, honestly. <laughs> I'm wearing my podcast clothes of like really comfortable uh, sweatpants and a t shirt. Um, don't tell my secrets. (laughs)